Okay, Boker Tov. <coughs> We're in the middle of Gemara Moikot Mechav Ches Amid Aleph. A number of interesting stories of rabbis of the Talmud who had discussions with the angel of death before their death. So this again, these are stories that are a little bit beyond our simple understanding, but we don't want to skip anything, especially as we're down to the last uh, Amud. Okay, Rav Seorim. There was a rabbi by the name of Rav Seorim. Achuad Rava. He was the brother of Rava. Have a Yosef Kameda Rava. He's sitting in front of Rava as Rava lay deathly ill. Rava is going to be dying very soon. Chazya <clears throat> so his brother saw that Rav was sleep, slipping into a slumber. He was about to die. Amale, so Rav asked him, Lamar May the master tell him, the angel of death, not to hurt me. Tell him not to hurt me. Amale, so he answered, he answered, me love Shushpinahu, his master, not his friend. In other words, Rav was acquainted with the angel of death. It was not unusual of the angel of death to communicate with the sages of the Talmud. Therefore, Rav Sorin proposed that Rav address him directly. You're used to talk to him. What do you got to talk to him? You're used to speaking to him. But Rav answered, Kivan de Imsur Mazla, since my mazel has been delivered to the angel of death, I'm not in a good position. He will not pay any attention to me. In other words, since I'm dying, and this in this context the mazal refers to one's guardian angel, so I'm I'm not in a good position to speak to him. So Amrle, so he asked Rava, okay, anyway. May the master appear to me after he dies. Okay? And so what? something's missing in the middle here. So Rav Sa'orim agreed to appease the Malach HaMavas on Rav's behalf. But there, but then he said, but he wants, he asked Rav to come to him after his death in his dream and report whether the death was painful or not. In other words, he's saying, listen, talk to the Malach HaMavas, tell him not to hurt me so much when I die. So, okay, you feel you can't talk to him, I'll speak to him. But after you die, come back to me in a dream and tell me how it went. How painful was it? Okay. Now, okay, there's a whole discussion. But anyway, so, so it was. Rav died. He comes to Rav Sarm in a dream. Omar lay, Rav Sarm says to him, Havle Lamar Tzara, did the master feel any pain when he died? Omar lay, he says, this is how much pain I felt. Kirivda de Kusilta was like a puncture from a blood letters lancet. Meaning very little pain. Like a needle. What? Yeah, like a needle. Okay, that was the story when Rava was dying. So now we back it up a little bit. So Rava have Yosef Kameda of Nachman. Rava was sitting before Rav Nachman. He saw Rav Nachman was sleeping into a slumber of death. So Rav Nachman asked Rava, Tell the angel of death not to hurt me. So you could see Rava learned this from his Rebbe. His Rebbe told him Nachman shouldn't hurt him. 
Amrlay, so he says to him, Mar Lava Demchashuhu, aren't you an important person? Speak to him yourself. So again, it's like a repeat of the story, so to speak. Amrlay Rav Nachman said, Man Chashuv, who's important? Man Safin, Man Rakia, who is awesome, who is exalted before the Malacham Aves. In other words, uh, you know, he's, he's a fearful guy. And again, once you've been delivered into the hands of the Malcham Oves, your importance is not worth very much. Same story. Omer Lei, Rav Asetim, Lich Silimar, may the master appear to me after he dies. Achsule, he did appear to him. Omer he said, Havale Lamar Tsara, did the master feel any pain? Omer he said, Kemishchal Benisamechalva, was like a hair being drawn out of milk. A hair falls in the milk, you just take it out. Well, this is yeah, this is an example of the least painful of death. Now, you, this is very um, what? Which it just seems a weird one to use. I don't know. Yeah, it's strange. Well, it's it's not painful. No, I know. There's no pain at all. You know. <laughs> There's no pain at all. It's, it's, no pain. it's the same thing we say. I'm sure there's deeper ideas there. Okay. And and then, Rabbi's not finished. The Yomar Le'a Kodesh if Hashem would say to me, go back to the world, living there as you were before, and then die again. In other words, Hashem would tell me, you can go back, have another trip. Lo be'in, I wouldn't want it. The nafish because the fear of death of the malcham of us is very great. So, I think, it's hard to understand, like, what's going on with these rabbis over here? Like, you think you're a special character? Like, everybody dies. So, I think you have to say that the most important moment of a person's life is now when you are uh, transitioning from this world to the next world. And if you're a good person, a big tzaddik, the transition, like this is the moment you've been waiting for, really, because you want to reach a state of tveikus, to cling to Hashem, and there's going to be no greater state of tveikus is when you remove the external husk of the body, and now you can totally bond with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it could be that they wanted to have lots of kavana when that's happening. And if the death is painful, it could divert them from that kavana. And that moment of, of first bonding is like almost like, as they say, a shehecheyonu moment because this is like an incredibly new experience. And you don't want to have the pain of death um, you know, um, divert your focus on that. So I guess since Rava saw Rav Nachman was telling him, pray to the Machos, I shouldn't have that much pain. So therefore Rava asked his brother to also pray they should not have so much pain. So that, that I think is, you know, it's, it's not that they're afraid of the pain, but you have to have lots of focus. And until a person experiences, death is something you haven't experienced. So for some it could be painful, for some it's not painful. So therefore, he's praying that it should not be painful, and therefore he can focus on this uh, quote-unquote beautiful transition 
that should be occurring. Okay, next. Now, those are two stories where rabbis were going to die. There was no question about it. There was nothing to discuss. Here we have questions where we have some discussions over here. Rabbi Lazar have a truma. Rabbi Lazar was eating truma, so obviously he was a coin. He saw the Malchamavas came to him. That's it. Time is up. But wait a minute. He's a coin and he's eating truma. Amalei Rabbi Lazar said to the Malchamavas, Truma ka'achilna, I'm eating truma right now. Falav kodashikri. Is it not called sacred? You can't be in a state of tuma. So if um, so therefore I should try to stop you from taking my life, because if you kill me, then the truma I'm eating will become tummy from my corpse. Okay? So okay, you have a good point. So Khafale Shata, the moment passed, and the Mahamovas did not take his life. So I guess he was able to avoid it for a little while. Okay, so you can these guys can negotiate with the Malchamovas. You can say, listen, you want to take me now? Now, why did the Malchamovas come back? Whatever, those are all beyond what I can explain. Rav Sheshish saw the Malchamovas while he was in the marketplace. So he said to the Malchamovas, you're going to take me in the marketplace like an animal? Like they shecht animals in the marketplace, there's a butcher shop, and this and that. You think I'm like an animal? So therefore, come into the house. In other words, let me finish what I'm doing here. Let me go into my house. Let me lay down in my bed, and then you'll take me. And I guess that's what happened. Ravashi Also, Ravashi saw him in the marketplace. So Ravashi said to him, Israch Lee Klaus and Yemen. Give me thirty days. So I can review all my studies. Wow. Damriso, because you you say in heaven, I'm not you, but the heavenly realm says the following Fortune is one who comes to this place and his learning is in his hand. In other words, if you remember all your learning or you practiced all your learning, the Marsha explains in his hand is a reference to the original insights and explanations a Torah scholar commits to writing. So it's fortunate if he records his thoughts, for that's his primary learning. That's what he had made the best impression on him. So therefore, it, it, the Torah scholars are called Sofrim. So this is a little different. It means that if you're writing down, you have all that for posterity. Either way, there is an interesting concept that you have to come to Elam Haba with your Torah. So if you're listening to Torah and you're forgetting it all, now it doesn't say you're cursed. It says fortunate is the one. Now, in what way are you fortunate? I guess, you know, when you're going to come up to Shemaim, you'll be in a good place. You're remembering all your Torah. Now, what about us who forget it? So I guess we're not so fortunate. It's not that we're sinners or anything. We're just not so fortunate and you do find, you know, big tzaddikim. That's what they focus on. You know, once they've, uh, let's say, a, a big uh, rabbi, big Rosh Hashiva, and they're now retired, so to speak. So what are they doing? They're reviewing all their Torah because they want to have it all with them when they go. Okay, that doesn't seem to be a magic formula that uh, all of a sudden Hashem will just put the disc in your brain and you'll remember all the Torah. So you should leave this world 
with as much tar as you have in your hands. She said, give me 30 days. He granted his request. Beyond Tilson also, the 30th day came. The Malchamavas came back to Ravashi. Amale, so Ravashi said to him, my kuliai, what's all this urgency? Why you, you know, why you pursue me before the time? Okay, so I guess, you know, in other words, it's, you came in the beginning of the 30th day. I got a whole afternoon, you know, till nighttime. Okay, now, of course, uh, so that's this question. So, and therefore, so the angel of death answered, Listen, Ravashi, you're pushing away Rav Nosen. What does that mean? Because Ravashi was the Rosh Hashiva, Rav Nosen was the next in line, and you're, you're pushing, the way I'm, urgency is because Rav Nosen has to become, succeed you as the leader in Bavel. And it's time. Aye, so why can't it come a little later? And one reign of one king does not encroach upon another king, even a hair's breadth. In other words, when another king is supposed to come, or leader, he's supposed to be. And we don't delay it at all. So now, you wanted 30 days? I can't give you a full 30 days. Sorry, orders above. Rav Nassim is Now, Rav Nassim, of course, doesn't want uh, Ravashi to die. But Hashem has decreed when Rav Nosson should be the leader. So this is the time, and therefore it has to be right away. This uh, is mindful of another Gemara that discusses when David HaMelech was um, look, uh, looking for Shmuel, and he had to go to Shmuel, and uh, he was asking, remember his father lost the donkeys. So then, so what does he do? He asks some of the young ladies... Where is Shmuel? Now, they could have said a straight answer, you know, two blocks to the left. But they said a very long-winded answer. So Gomorrah asked, why did they say such a long-winded answer? So he gave a couple answers. One of them is, well, David was a handsome guy, so they want to get a little, to look at him a little longer, they talk a little longer. Another answer, Gomorrah, is this answer that one kingdom doesn't replace another kingdom. Now, what's going to happen? after he meets Shmuel, Shmuel will privately anoint him and de facto, or de jure really, David will be the new king even though Shaul is still sitting on the throne but he's not the king anymore. So this is an example of the opposite. We delay it a little bit. So David HaMelech, so the girl spoke a little longer, a few seconds more, that delayed his whole interactions with Shmuel and he became the king a few seconds later. Because when Hashem decrees the leadership change, it has to be exactly at that time and you cannot delay it. Okay, another story. Rav Chista Lohaviyochalei. The Malchus was not able to approach Rav Chista when it was time for him to die. Why? He didn't stop learning. He just was learning and learning and learning. And learning protects you. Can't take him away when he's learning. So Solik, so he went up, Yosef Ba'arza de Rav, he sat on a cedar tree by Rav Chizda's study house, Paka Arza, he split a cedar there, made a big noise, and therefore it interrupted Rav Chizda's train of thought for a moment, Vishosik, he was silent, Vyochalei, and he was able to take him. 
very similar to the story with Rabbi Yehuda Nasi when he was dying and all the rabbis were praying and Mahmoud couldn't take him and the maid servant of Rabbi caused a disturbance and made the same thing happen as well. Another story, the Malach of Ovis could not approach Rav Chia. Yom Achad, one day, the Malach of Ovis disguised himself as a poor person. He knocked on Rav Chizda's door. He said to him, Can you give me some bread? He gave him some bread. So he says, Does the master not have mercy on the poor? Clearly you do. In other words, I see. You are very kind to the poor people. Well, guess what? There's another poor entity. Ahu Gavra, this man, meaning the Malach HaMavis, Amailo Kamarach Mar, why don't you have mercy on him? I have orders to bring you to the next world. So don't give me troubles that I got to go and knock down a cedar tree or things like that. And at that point, Galilei. So now he revealed himself, the Malach HaMavis, to Rav Achvalei shooted the Nura, showing him a rod of fire, and he saw his true identity. Okay, so, and then of course he kills him. So what's the point over here? So why are we telling us these stories? One of the messages to know how important Torah study is and how God loves the righteous who haven't done any sins. So Hashem gives them more opportunities to delay if possible. Amsli nafshe. Rav said, okay, now I understand, so I have to give you my life. But again, so each situation has got different things. Here, for example, Rav was able to end his life by doing a chesed, so to speak. The last act he did was a chesed, even though it was to the Malcham of us. But we don't care about the actual results. We care about the feelings, kavona, and effort. And he gave him the bread. So he died with his last act of doing a mitzvah, which was always a good thing to be able to do. Okay, a lot of these stories are beyond my pay scale to explain to you, but one thing is clear from all this, the day of death is a very important day. It's one that one has to, and if you look in the holy books, there's all kinds of avodas that some people do, you know, as they're preparing for that death. It's not like, it's not a passive process. It's an active process. This is the main point. In this in the secular world, you're dying. Okay, you're dying. That's it. You die. But if you're if you're a Jew and you realize that you, you, you gotta prepare yourself for the next world. This is not just something you're dying to go into the ground never to be seen again. Right? No, you're now getting ready for the next most exalted state of your life. So you want to transition in the best way. And whatever he's saying, vidui, you're davening, you're, a lot of tzaddikim would take a glass of water right before they would die and say shakoni yabin varo, and then die with that. So it's a very active transitional period that one has to make the most of it. Okay. We now go to the next page. We have one whole page and then a little drop more. And this is the last Mishnah over here. And we're going to talk about, if you recall, that Kalamoid should have not excessive mourning. You do it if a person dies. Obviously, you have to bury them. There has to be a funeral. But again, normally, there's mourning and a lot of mourning on the day of the funeral. 
and the eulogies, etc., etc., but we have to limit it because of the happy nature of the day. So the Mishnah is going to talk about what things are you allowed to do at the funeral and what are things you're not allowed to do at the funeral. And the Mishnah is going to discuss different types of happy days, um, such as Cholomoyed and other minor holidays, which we'll discuss now. And the Gemara is going to say a number of things that can be done without really explaining what it is. That makes it interesting. But when we get to the Gemara, the Gemara is going to say, well, what is that exactly? So, although right now we're going to say a few words, you're not going to understand what it is exactly. The Gemara is going to explain it shortly. Okay, so what are you allowed to do on Cholomoyed funeral? Nashim bemoed me'anos. Women are allowed to me'aneh. So we'll just say right now, chant an elegy, okay, which will be determined below. Now, women are very conscious of, of, of uh, taking care of the dead. It's a very, um, something that women relate to emotionally. So they'd be the ones who would be expressing specific forms of mourning, okay? But this will also apply to men as well. So this is one level of mourning, which Gamora will explain, they're allowed to do on Cholomoid at the funeral. Avalomitabchus, but they may not clap. In other words, striking one hand against another as a sign of mourning or beating the chest as a sign of mourning. That's already too much. Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Rabbi Shmuel says on the other hand, Hasmuchas Lamita, but those who are near the beer, okay, Medapchas may clap. In other words, directly in front of the dead person. So Rabbi Shmuel makes a difference between those who are right in front of the beer and those who are not. The Tanakhama made no difference and says you're never allowed to beat your chest. This is Chol Hamoid, which has a higher level of joy than the next minor holiday. Tanakhama continues, Uberashe Chadashim, Bapurim, those three, Ma'anos Umatapchos, they can do the first and say the dirge and clap. They are treated less stringently than Cholomoid because the prohibitions against Malacha do not apply. Cholomoid, you're not allowed to work. A lot of uh, uh, things you, you can't do. But these other ones, it's a little bit of less joy. So therefore, you can do both of this. Both on this occasion and on other occasions. No matter what it is, they may not be mikonain, which we'll see what that means is. It's a more intense type of lamentation. It's called responding. And that is not allowed. Um, so this is more intense and the clapping and all that, is, then that, that's what's not allowed. Can I say, Isn't Rosh Chodesh somewhere in between Cholomar and Hanukkah and Purim? Rosh Chodesh is a biblical commandment. Not anymore. I mean, so we, we don't have anything biblical we could do with it. And it's certainly, it's not a moed. It's not a moed. We, we see the fact you could work on Cholomar. So that that's a big... Uh, I'm sorry. So you can work on Rosh Chodesh, like Hanukkah and Purim. So it's basically they're pretty similar days. But there's nothing. But there's no. But there's nothing. There's nothing biblical anymore about Rosh Chodesh nowadays. The only thing we would do is bring a korban, 
And, you know, it's some degree of uh, holiday, but nothing compared to the others. No, it's what? So there's a Musaf, fine. But it's not, you know, there's no... So what does it get? It gets an extra aliyah. Okay, but, but on the other hand, there's many things that are less. So it's there's not a lot of wiggle room. There's not a lot of room to put in between those two. So we put it together with the work. So now we have to. Mish is going to explain what are these terms that we've been bantering around. It's all inui. What is this idea of inui? That's the first one. Shakulon onus ka'achas, where all of them chant together. They all are chanting together. Kina akina. One leads and the others respond. Shenemar, as it says, we see from Pasuk, and teach your daughters mourning, and each woman a lamentation to her friend. So the words woman to her friend imply that one woman leads and the others respond. Okay, that, those are those two expressions. Now, the Mishnah ends on a positive note, and this is a common line said at a funeral. If people are proper um, eulogizers, they will always end with this line. In the future, and this is a quote of a Pasuk in Yeshaya, Bila hamoves lanetzach, death will be swallowed up forever. Umocha Hashem elokim dima, and Hashem will erase tears. Meal kol panim from all faces. This refers not to the death by natural causes, but to the death at the hand of man. It promised Jewish people that the death and sorrow they have suffered as a result of their exile among the nations will come to a complete end. That is the pshat, the pashim pshat of the Radak. The Ran explains the verse means that death will be abolished and people will live forever. It appears that Radak interprets the verse as referring to the Messianic era, Whereas the Ran refers to the time of the resurrection of the dead in the world to come. Seriously? There's a, there's a dispute on, on that? Well, well, that is not a dispute. If we're talking about different times. Oh, okay. We're talking about the times of Mashiach, where we're, it's a normal life, but there's no anti-Semitism. And people will live longer lives. And that could very well be true because Hashem now has given medicine the ability... I'm sure in the next scary, 50 years, there's going to be all kinds of artificial things you put into people, and they could live a lot longer, or whatever. But this is all part of God's divine plan. Now, the Mishnah, why are we quoting this verse? Because this is the last Mishnah. We don't want to end on a sad note. Okay? Uh, wow. And, and really, they say a little bit more. The order of the Gomorrahs, the tractates. So there are some who say that Moed Katon is the last of the Mesechtas in Seder Moed. So we want to end Seder Moed on a good note. Others, the Ramam says it ends with Chagiga. But either way, you want to end on a positive note. Okay, fine. So there's different ways. So we mourn a little bit less on Cholom Moed, and we explain those different levels over there. So now the Gemara wants to know, okay, fine, there are dirges that are said. Mine Amran. So what do they say? What do you say at a funeral? So there's all kinds of things. Amar Rav, Rav says, this is the dirge. Vai la'azla, vai lechavila. Woe over the journey and woe over the security. 
Now, what does that mean? Woe over the deceased who's embarking on a journey from which he shall not return. And cry woe over him because he must repay the security that had been entrusted to him. He's got to return his soul to the owner. Okay, here and in the examples below, the Gemara quotes only part of the elegy. The eulogizers who expand on the matter as they saw fit. Okay, the dirges quoted here do not praise the deeds of the deceased as a eulogy typically does. There's different things. There's a eulogy, but then there's the crying. Okay, and the reason might be that these elegies were used on occasions such as Cholamoid where a regular eulogy is not allowed. Remember, we're not supposed to give eulogies on Cholamoid. But being sad, okay, so certain levels of dirges were allowed to be said. So, in other words, there's a balance over here. Remember, the funeral is to give honor to the deceased and also to arouse us to do tshuva. So, therefore, even if the, let's say we just had Gomorrah's in the earlier that says that, oh, but this rabbi was like taking a hair out of the milk. So it's a very beautiful experience. Yeah, but not necessary for everybody. And we don't know what goes on behind closed caskets. So, um, you know, so death is, for many people, it's not going to be good. You're going to go right to Gehenna and all kinds of things. So for the people who are attending the funeral, who should be focused on doing tshuva, as we'll see shortly, the famous Gemara says, there's a lot of benefits to accrue for people to go to a, a funeral. So we should, you know, come to this realization that, oh man, you got the real hard journeys coming for most people, and now you got to give back the deposit. Did you give back the soul as clean as Hashem gave it to you? So that is part of that elegy. And uh, Ravan now is going to quote seven different types of elegies that were uttered by the women of a place called Shechan Siv. Okay? And they would use riddles to convey sensitive manners in a tactful way. So the meaning of these riddles is not entirely clear. Several interpretations have given. So they're going basically from Rashi. Gamor Pesachim reports that Rebbe instructed his sons not to live in Shechan Siv because its residents were prone to mockery. Nevertheless, the Gemara here deems acceptable to record some of their finer utterances. An alternative explanation is that Shechan Siv's negative reputation applied only to its men, not to its women. In other words, why are we mentioning dirges for Shechan Siv, which people are saying they're kind of not such bright people? But so some were bright, at least when it came to funerals, they knew what they were talking about. And the women especially were people who knew what they were talking about. So we will leave Rava and the ladies of Shechan Siv for tomorrow. Mir Tzashem. It's not Tuvishvat today. Tuvishvat tonight and tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're better off. Tomorrow's a Thursday. You don't have to say the long Tachanah. <laughs> this afternoon at Mincha, we won't say Tachanah.